Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Quick Take, your regular Apple-focused podcast. And uh, tonight I've got kind of a potpourri of things to go over with you guys. Um, one of the interesting things, just from a Apple history perspective, is that this week, as I record this, uh, earlier this week, July 10th, marked the 10-year anniversary of the App Store. And um, boy, obviously, that has just changed everything because, um, you know, first of all, um, you know, if you think back to just in, how you how you interact with Apple software um, before the App Store um, for the Mac, the way you interacted with software was that you went into a store like the Apple Retail Store or CompUSA or some uh, you know other Apple third-party retailer, and uh, you went to a you went to a, a whole row of shelves filled with big boxes of software for the Mac, and you and you bought it there, and uh, that was certainly the case until the App Store came to. Um, came to the Mac later. Of course, we're talking about the 10-year anniversary of the App Store on iOS, where it first debuted. Um, but it's really interesting how, you know, the internet has just changed everything. You know, the internet shifted that, and it took a little while, but the internet has shifted that totally um, to uh, uh, to d- digital download distribution. It's almost uh, never the case that you buy physical, gosh, I can't remember the last time I bought a box of software. And of course, we don't have, uh, you know, CD or DVD drives anymore for the most part. So if you were to buy something physical, it would be on a flash drive. But, you know, the internet has just changed everything. And, you know, it's it's crazy, you know, thinking back to that first year of the iPhone where we didn't have an app store. And um, I remember, you know, working in Apple retail at the time and, you know, how we were just recommending, you know, various web apps that people were creating. Of course, there was a jailbreak community. So pretty early on, some developers figured out ways to jailbreak the iPhone and write their own apps uh, for the iPhone. But, uh, you know, there was there was nothing uh, official uh, beyond the built-in apps uh, outside of web apps. You know, Apple highlighted web apps early on with the iPhone. And, and it wasn't until a year later on the June, uh, July 10th, 2008, that the App Store came along. What a crazy day that was, too, because Apple introduced, you know, all, all these things happen on the same day. Apple released the iPhone 3G, uh, the App Store, iPhone OS 2, um, and I want to say Mobile Me uh, debuted that same day. So, like, four things happened at once and um, and just over overwhelmed Apple's capacity to handle all that at one time. And, and I think that shows how Apple's changed because Apple has certainly grown and adapted its capacity. So now you have all these Apple data centers everywhere hosting goodness knows how many, you know, millions and billions of data records constantly. And Apple's got its content delivery system so that when you watch a movie on iTunes, it is one of the most seamless experiences uh, of any digital streaming platform out there. So they've really stepped up and that sort of thing. But as various people have been kind of celebrating the 10 year anniversary of the uh, App Store, um, people have been going online, uh, you know, going to their iPhones. And if you go into uh, your iPhone to the app store and you tap on your icon up at the top right corner, um, you can go to purchase and you can actually scroll through. And if you keep scrolling, you can scroll all the way to the bottom and see the list of the first apps that you downloaded. Um, and it's interesting. I went back and did that. I, of course, you know, and then people were taking that, taking a screenshot of that and posting it on Twitter. Um, and it was interesting to see everyone's, of course, they were, uh, just a few hundred uh, apps available on launch day. So a lot of us had the same, you know, handful of things, just maybe in a different order in our screenshots. But it was kind of fun to go back and look at that. And I'll just run through some of the ones that I downloaded. Uh, so the very first thing that I downloaded, it looks like was iTunes Remote. And of course, that app is still functional on my iPhone today. And the next one is just hilarious. And it shows how much the internet has changed in 10 years. But the next one on my list, the very second thing I downloaded was 
AIM, AOL Instant Messenger uh, for the iPhone. And, um, you know, because, you know, a lot of us had used AOL for years prior, AOL Instant Messenger for years prior to the launch of the iPhone. And that was, I know it's hard to believe now, especially if you're younger and maybe newer to the iPhone, but that was one of the most uh, looked forward to apps. Now, the problem is it didn't quite work because uh, push notifications weren't a thing yet. And, you know, apps couldn't run in the background the way they can now and, and, and that sort of thing. So if you, to, for it to be effective, you had to be in the app and doing nothing else. And so that's really, really probably why it never took on and helped usher in the, the death of AIM. But uh, next on my list is Facebook. Probably not a big surprise. Everyone was on Facebook and jumping on at that point. And then Looped. And I, I totally forgot about Looped until I was looking through this apps. And I can't remember exactly what Looped was. I want to say it was kind of an early, sort of like Apple's Find, uh, Find My Friends app, where you could kind of see where your friends were. And it was kind of combining a social network with mapping and things like that. And that is uh, no longer uh, in existence. And then I had eBay, the real yellow pages, PayPal, which is funny because I almost never use PayPal. Uh, the Associated Press mobile app, Google, <laughs> uh, Weatherbug, AOL Radio, Super Monkey Ball. I had totally forgotten about this, but Super Monkey Ball was that game, which was which was where you had this little monkey character who was in a ball and he rolled around, and it was kind of like Marble Blast Gold or some of those old Mac games like that. But it was a Sega game, and that was actually kind of fun and kind of a great little game uh, for back in those days. Kind of want to play it now if it's still on there. I don't remember if that one is or not. Uh, then I had uh, Major League Baseball, the MLB.com at Bat Light. And I think I think that was the end of the ones I downloaded on day one. Um, and then the next day, um, I got uh, an app called Light, which is funny that this was one of the first apps I downloaded. You know, we think about now how we've got uh, the quote unquote flashlight built into the phone where it just turns on the flash camera. Uh, and you can just turn it on and keep it on. And of course, all of us use that for navigating around in our house at night or outside in the dark and that sort of thing. Uh, it's probably become the most used flashlight in the world. Um, but back in those early days, that wasn't uh, a thing uh, that was built into, you know, that hardware wasn't there, let alone the ability to turn it on. But um, but uh, the Light app uh, was one of many similar apps at that time that would just uh, turn the iPhone screen into just a, just a big bright white screen just so you could use that as a flashlight and it wasn't until uh, quite a bit later that apple built in its own version of that uh then guitar toolkit uh, if you're a musician this is still in the app store i still have this today on my iphone you know it's got a built-in tuner it's got you know fingering and chord charts and various other uh, metronome various other just you know quick things that are useful for uh, you know guitar players in particular and then uh the bible app uh the uversion.com bible app this is uh, got to be the most downloaded Bible app in the world. It's fantastic. It's got, you know, tons of different translations and, and various languages and different things like that. Uh, really fantastic app for reading the Bible. Uh, and then Pandora. And of course, I still use Pandora. Not as much. I've been, since I've been an Apple Music customer, I haven't used Pandora nearly as much. Although the Pandora 90s playlist is better than any of the 90s playlists on Apple Music. Uh, then I had an app just called Shakespeare, which was the complete works of William Shakespeare in an app. Then Moonlight Mahjong Light, and lastly, Astro Tile Premium, which I think was um, uh, just a, uh, an update to to one of those uh, kind of brick-breaking games from the 80s where you had the little paddle and you would, uh, you know, break the bricks, that sort of thing. So that was the first 20 or so apps I downloaded. The only thing that was kind of weird is I could have sworn that uh, Twitterific was there day one and that I had that, but I was scrolling through the list. I don't see me downloading Twitterific until 2010. So I wonder if it's possible that there are some apps that were on there that 
don't show up in the list anymore for some reason. Maybe got purged out. Um, it's interesting. Uh, probably uh, a fourth or so of the the ones on the list that I mentioned there um, don't have the download symbol next to them, so you can't download it anymore. So it's like that record is still there, but you can't access the app. They've shut it down. But it was interesting. I was surprised that I didn't see Twitterific on the list. So uh, this is gonna, like I said, this is gonna be a potpourri show. So I'm gonna jump topics. Um, Apple has updated its leadership chart on its website. And in particular, they have um, officially uh, listed, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher this poor man's name, John uh, Gianandrea, um, who uh, Apple hired from Google. I don't know if they hired, hired him directly from Google, but he was a former Google um, artificial intelligence leader. And Apple hired him earlier this year. And uh, they have now, let me just read the, the synopsis uh, from the website listed for him. Says John Gianandrea is Apple's chief of machine learning and AI strategy, reporting to CEO Tim Cook. John joined Apple in 2018 and oversees the strategy for artificial intelligence and machine learning across the company and development of core ML and Siri technologies. Prior to Apple, John spent eight years at Google, where he led the machine intelligence research and search teams. Before this, he co founded two technology companies, Tell Me Networks and MetaWeb Technologies. Earlier in his career, John was a senior engineer at General Magic. John graduated from the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow, Scotland, where he earned a Bachelor of Science with Honors in Computer Science and was awarded a doctorate uh, honoris causa. John is on the board of trustees at the SETI Institute and Castellagia School. I'm, I feel like I'm butchering some of those words. Uh, interesting that he's on the board of trustees at the SETI Institute. That's the search for intel, uh, extraterrestrial intelligence that used the radio telescopes to search for uh, ETs. Um, that's fascinating. But um, a couple things to highlight there. Um, one, he's reporting directly to CEO Tim Cook. And uh, prior to uh, him officially getting control of Core ML and Siri, those were things that were under Craig Federighi's headship. And Craig Federighi uh, kind of runs all the software development across all of Apple's software platforms. And um, a lot of people, you know, there's a couple ways to look at that. You can look at the glasses half full thing where you can say, it's great that Apple has finally put, you know, core ML and Siri, you know, machine learning and Siri under one person who reports directly to Tim Cook. That's the glasses half full way to look at it. The glasses half empty way to look at it is to say Siri has kind of been handed off between three different people in the last year. And honestly, I think the truth is somewhere in between. I mean, uh, yes, I think all of us know that Apple hasn't uh, pushed, you know, pushed forward in a hard charging way on Siri the way we all want it to. Um, and it is disappointing that it's kind of bounced around before finally landing with John Gian Andrea. But, but on the other hand, it's great that uh, Siri is under one person now who directly reports to Tim Cook, and he focuses on machine learning and Siri and you know related technologies exclusively. Uh, and he's someone who seems to have a lot of credentials that would lead you to think that he is a good fit for uh, that position. Um, you know, it says, you know, he, he was at Google, which, of course, is probably the leader in uh, in this world in terms of artificial intelligence and uh, at least as far as consumer technologies go. Um, and it says where he led the machine intelligence research and search teams. I mean, those are pretty big things to lead at Google. So um, seems like the kind of person that you want to see overseeing the future direction of Siri. So um i'm honestly i you know you know me i usually am pretty positive about apple and its future long term and i think this is a great move and it's uh fantastic to see siri and what looks like some very capable hands and i hope that it doesn't take long before we really see uh apple reaping the benefits of that
because I think we all want to see Siri get uh, even better. All right, and then switching gears completely once again, um, this, this uh, article from uh, Mac Rumors, and the title is Agile Bits Denies Reported Acquisition Talks Between Apple and One Password. Um, and and kind of where this came from, there was a, a um, article over at the website Boy Genius Reporter, BGR, um, that uh, – well, let me just read this, and I'll, and I'll kind of go back through it. This is, uh, this is over at Mac Rumors from uh, Joe Rosignol. And it says, Apple plans to deploy 1Password internally to all of its corporate and retail employees around the world over the next few months, according to BGR's editor-in-chief, Jonathan Geller, who cites an unnamed source. The report claims Apple plans to offer a free license to the standalone version of 1Password to each of its employees and their families. And there's a quote here. According to our source, after many months of planning, Apple plans to deploy 1Password internally to all 100,000 employees. This includes not just employees in Cupertino, but extends all the way to retail, too. Furthermore, the company is said to have carved out a deal that includes family plans, giving up to five family members of each employee a free license to 1Password. Apple is also using the standalone version of 1Password. At first, the company considered using the version that includes Agile Bits syncing services that routes through cloud providers like Amazon AWS, but Apple quickly decided that wasn't acceptable. Uh, the standalone version of the software lets users sync through iCloud, something Apple is undoubtedly more comfortable with. The report claims 100 Apple employees will start using 1Password through this initiative starting this week, with all corporate and retail employees at the company expected to be activated within the next one to two months. The report also mentioned that acquisition talks were underway, although unlikely, and AgileBits swiftly denied the claim. And uh, this was the tweet that AgileBits put out on the official 1Password Twitter account. It says, this is so cringe-inducing the way they phrase this, but it says, Rumors of my acquisition are completely false. My humans and I are happily independent and plan to remain so. That, that way of tweeting is like nails on a chalkboard. Who tweets in first person as an app and refers to the employees of this company as my humans? That's just gross. Okay, that's just my commentary. Back to the end of the article. It says, Apple employees have already received 1Password for free for several years, so it's unclear what this deployment refers to exactly. Yeah, so I don't know what quite what to make out of that. Um, uh, for those that aren't aware, uh, 1Password is an app that uh, lets you securely uh, and store all of your passwords to all the various different web services and apps that you use in one place uh, so that you don't have to remember them all, you know, because we all have dozens of different things that we're logged into uh, all the time or that we have accounts for. And... Uh, you know, it also helps you get out of the bad habit of using the same password or a variation on the same password for everything because it will suggest, uh, you know, much stronger passwords auto-generated and things like that. Um, you can sync this data across your devices. Um, so it's a really sophisticated way of managing your password securely. And there's other services out there like LastPass, etc. Um, but 1Password has been around. It was Mac only for a very long time, but I think it has gone Windows. Uh, they've, added, they've added a Windows version as well in the last few years. Um, it's a great app. I have used it in the past. I don't use it currently to manage my passwords, but I have used it in the past. Um, a couple of things interesting. It, it really is unclear exactly what the terms of this are, assuming that this is accurate at all. But assuming that BGR source is correct, this is a little confusing because the Mac Rumors article mentions that Apple employees have already received 1Password for free for several years. So um, I wonder if they're just ex maybe maybe only certain Apple employees got it and they're expanding it to all of them before. The, the other thing that's a little curious about it is that Apple actually kind of has its own version of this. Um, it has iCloud Keychain. Um, and iCloud Keychain is built into 
the iCloud web service, of course, and it's built into all of Apple's devices so that um, when you sign into a, one of your accounts on a website, for example, it asks if you want to save the password. And if you do, it saves it to your iCloud keychain. And then that's synced across all of your Apple devices so that if you do that on the iPhone, then you go to your Mac, and then it'll let you autofill that information onto the website next time you go. So you don't have to remember to type it in every time. And uh, they've gotten better and better and more sophisticated. So particularly in iOS 12, when you go to a website and you're signing up for an account, um, it will just auto, it will give you the option to auto generate a very secure password, not using real words, but just a hash of characters, a long hash of characters, randomized. And it will then you know, say, hey, do you want to use this? And you say use, and it'll save it. And then of course, it'll sync it across all your devices. Um, so Apple does have something like this already that every single Apple user, not just Apple employee, but all of us have access to through these devices and through iCloud. Um, and of course, Apple employees are already using iCloud and Apple devices. Now, there are some advantages that 1Password has over iCloud Keychain. You can more customize the, the level of sophistication of the passwords. You can't do that in iCloud Keychain because it's much more simplistic. Uh, 1Password does allow you more customization of that. And 1Password also works across browsers, whereas iCloud Keychain is Safari only. Um, but at the same time, it's hard for me to imagine that a ton of people inside Apple are using other browsers. So that's interesting. Uh, and there's some other benefits too, but, uh, you know, interesting. Um, and it was interesting, the rumor that maybe Apple was acquiring this company. I mean, certainly they've made a fantastic product for a number of years uh, with 1Password. And you could you could definitely see the argument that maybe Apple was acquiring that team to just enhance the maybe just enhance iCloud Keychain itself in future versions. But um, uh, I guess we'll see. You know, sometimes uh, these news reports are completely false, or sometimes they're partially false, which is probably this is a case where there's some truth here and some not truth. Whether or not Apple winds up acquiring Agile Bits or the One Password app or team remains to be seen. Just because they denied it doesn't mean it isn't happening or won't happen. Um, I think, I don't know if it was in the Boy Genius Report or somewhere else I saw where supposedly someone over at Agile Bits was overheard talking about the Apple acquisition, but who knows? Again, you, you, you know, anytime there's one of these, you know, sketchy reports, um, you know, you can't take it to the bank. You always have to take it with a grain of salt, but it'll be interesting to see if anything further comes of that. Well, guys, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you want to help me get the word out, uh, please, please feel free to share this on your social media. Um, I always post a link to it over on my Twitter account at JWSherrod, S-H-E-R-R-O-D. You can also search uh, Quick Take Apple in, uh, in the Apple Podcast app on your iPhone or in iTunes. And if you would do that and subscribe, first of all, or and, and or uh, go in and leave me a five-star rating, uh, both of those things just help a lot with getting the word out and rising up through the the Apple iTunes and podcast uh, algorithm. So that would be a big help, but thanks so much for listening and I will see you next time on Quick Take.